grow your business. From News Talk with Gavin McLaughlin. Thanks to Euronext Dublin, the new home of the Irish Stock Exchange, supporting business for over 200 years. Hello and welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. I'm Gavin McLaughlin and I'm here to help your business make money. This week we're looking at the roles of chief executive and chairperson, crucial in any serious business. And I'm joined by two of Ireland's top corporate heavyweights. Here with me is Michael Carey. Michael is chairman of the housing agency since March of last year. He was chairman of Board Bia for seven years up until the end of 2017. And he's also executive chairman at biscuit maker East Coast Bay. So I'm interested to find out about the difference between an executive and a non-executive chairman. Fergal Mooney is here as well. Fergal was chief executive of Hostel World for more than 10 years from February 2008 to June of last year. Floated the company on the stock market in that time. He's going to be talking to us about what it takes to be a good chief executive. And Fergal, I'm going to start by asking you, when you were running Hostel World in its period as a stock market listed company, how did you structure your day? Um, well, look, I, I think like like most chief executives, uh, you know, every day is different, right? So one day you could be focusing on customers, another day suppliers, another day employees, investors, and so on. Uh, when I was at Hostel World, um, I was probably on a plane three weeks out of every four as well. So not only was I focusing on different things, but I was uh, I was in different places, different cities, different different countries. Um, so I kind of t- uh, tend to think about how I structure my week and my overall kind of work and and and. Uh, the starting point on that is is kind of looking after the basics. So start with domestic, right? <laughs> because if your if your domestic affairs are uh, are organised, uh, you so know, that's that, like the head that, office, everything that's going on there. Oh, no, back more than that. That's home, right? So I'm fortunate enough to have a great wife, right? Who who looks after all of the the kind of home home affairs. Uh, but I think uh, you know it's also important that you, you stay plugged in, right? Because uh, you know if you do if you do 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 that part right, then you can you can work effectively uh, when you're in the office, right? So an an awful lot of people in these sort of programs uh, tend to kind of almost boast about I get into the office at eight thirty and I you know I get in at seven thirty and so on, uh, and that's fine if you're getting home the other end. From for for me, uh, I tended to uh, to start with the kids, dropping dropping to, to to school to get involved in all the rows and everything, and get to the office about. 930 um and i had the support of of super super pas and this to me is critical um to have a pa personal assistant who will just who really is the one who organizes and structures um uh, the workload uh at hospital i actually had two because they were job sharing which is unusual but they worked very effectively and communication between them was was very very good um and you know, uh, apart from 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 communication between them, it was communication with me. They're in full control. They have full access to my calendar, to my emails, um, to what's going on inside my brain and my mind. Right. So, uh, so what that means is they know what's important to me. They know the way I think. When I walk in in the, in, in the morning, they can tell by the expression on my face, am I in good mood, am I bad mood, right, what's right, worrying right. me. They'll have gone through my emails already. They'll know what the issues of the day are going to be. They'll know what's coming up on my, on my calendar. Um, and from that perspective, they're effectively doing the first line of defence, right? And they're sorting out and managing and responding to everything that they, they, they can themselves. Uh, and uh, and then just kind of coming to me with a structured uh, list of, of what needs to be done. I used to get an email from them every 
every evening saying, here's, you know, here's some calls you need to respond to, here's some decisions you need to make, whatever, and we sit down first thing in the morning then as well and go through that. Uh, and what that just means is that you've, you've, you've got efficiency, I suppose, in terms of, of organising structure in that. Um, and then the other thing I used to do is, is, you know, with my senior management team, so I had a kind of a top C-level team, uh, you know, CFO, CTO, marketing, um, you know, op- operations and HR, um, and you know we'd have like any business your your kind of weekly trading meetings, kind of monthly uh, yeah. management meetings, quarterly stra- strategy meetings, so on. But but to me, uh, what I also used to do that was 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 important was um, every Monday morning, nine thirty Monday morning, half hour quick update meeting, right? And and what that was is 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 uh, and quite often it intended to be a phone call because because half my management team was in the UK, half was in Dublin, and a lot of us were travelling a lot of the time. So it was a dial in, uh, you know, every, no matter where you are, dial into this, and it was it was literally kind of three minutes each round the table, and I'd start with what's the what are what are the most important kind of two two three things that I'm trying to achieve this week, and what's on my radar for the rest of this month and the rest of this quarter. And go around the table to each of the senior executives and say, "What's you know, what's on the top of their list for this week, this month, this quarter?" And what that does is, um, number one, it makes sure that everybody around the table is aware of what else is going on in the organisation, that people are aligned. If there are any conflicts or if there is support that needs to to come from one to another, that you know that at the beginning of the week before everybody everybody gets stuck in. And that wasn't a meeting for making decisions or for you know figuring things out. It was really just here's what's going on in my life, here's what's going on in your life and coordinating everything. Yeah, yeah. so I suppose it's all about trying to keep on top of everything without getting snowed under. Absolutely. And I suppose the next element is your management style. I mean, would you say you're a delegator? Are you more of a hands-on manager? Where do you lean on that whole spectrum? Uh, it probably evolved, right? And and. And I don't think uh, I don't think anybody uh, is is as as good at delegation as they as they think they are, right? So with Hostel World, uh, given that I kind of came, I was I was there for sixteen years in total from you know startup when there was only ten of us, right? So there wasn't there wasn't really anybody to delegate yeah. to, uh, right through to you know uh, being CEO um, through the IPO and beyond when there was three hundred and fifty people and so on. So so I certainly would have delegated more and more as we went through and and. Uh, and what I tried to do is, you know, if you've if you've got a senior team, um, you know, I always tried to hire people that were better than myself, right? So I'm not, I, I know a bit about technology. I know a bit about marketing. I know a bit about finance. I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in any of them, but I hired people who are experts. And, and what, that, what that meant was that, you know, around that senior team table, I had people whose core responsibility was looking after, you know, one or other area of the, of the business. Um, and in some ways, then the CEO becomes a little bit surplus, or, or in theory, should be should be free to kind of think more strategically and and and, and looking forward. Uh, and and from that perspective, I think that's what that that those kind of meetings are about. Is I've got my team who are who are have the day to day responsibility for things. You know, checking in with them is everything going 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 well. Do we need to coordinate anything better? Make any decisions? So so I certainly would have got to a point where I was delegated an awful lot more. And you have to do that because otherwise you just get snowed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Michael, uh, we'll get on to the role of chairperson in a minute, but you've been listening to, to what Fergal is saying here. What's jumping out at you having been a managing director and a CEO at various stages in your career? As I listen to Fergal, I think he he sounds like he had done an extraordinary job as uh, chief executive in Hustle World. As he describes that role, 
It's a, a great combination of working with a team, uh, focusing on what's important, having the supports around him that he needs to get the job done. Um, he clearly knows what he needs to focus on. And uh, uh, that's one of the most remarkable uh, business success stories in the country. And uh, a lot of it is down to the way that has been led. Now, you uh, are chairperson of a number of entities that I mentioned earlier. What is the job of a chairperson? Fundamentally, the role of the chairperson is to ensure that the board operates uh, effectively, that the board makes uh, a real impact, makes a real contribution to how the organisation runs. Um, and what, what, what is the job of the board? The, the board is setting, setting policy, setting direction. And, and it varies by situation. It depends on the organisation. Some of it is corporate governance related and very heavily corporate governance. Some boards in operating companies, like our, our biscuit business, is, is more performance and operationally focused. Um, whereas a state board is is more formalised, so it depends on the situation. So the roles the roles differ, um, but I think the chairman's role is to ensure that all of the players make as great a contribution as possible, and that they're really conscious and really aware of the the way each of the individuals on the board and the executive interact and how they're making their contributions and ensure that they're making the best possible contributions to the overall results that they're there to achieve. One of the jobs, of course, is making sure that the management team uh, is doing their job correctly. So how do you determine that? How hands-on do you need to be? What do you need to be looking at? I mean, you know, are you looking under the hood at, at, at loads of different things? How does it all work? I think the most important thing is to have absolute clarity about expectations of for a, for a board and for the chair particularly, to have a relationship with the chief executive uh, where the, the expectations of what that chief executive and his team, or her team, are expected to deliver uh, is without question. And the, there are lots of simple ways of tracking that, with dashboard reports, with um, sort of frequency of, of reporting, having clarity about how often the interaction needs to happen. Yeah. Um, abs- I, I think uh, the, the relationship is, is really crucial that there's mutual respect between the chair and the chief exec. Uh, and that both of them really know what their roles are and they don't get in each other's way. Um, and again, that's situational. It depends on on the breadth of the role of the chair. It depends on the, the, the focus of the chief executive. Um, I think in Fergal's description there, uh, Fergal's role was, was very broad. In other situations, the chief executive or a managing director is very, very focused on operational uh, activities and delivering the plan and doing what they say they're going to do. Um, uh, so it depends on situations, and and the the chairman's role can vary from a figurehead and having little or nothing to do with the operation at all, uh, to being having specific and absolutely clear uh, roles uh, in relation to how the business operates, and some parts of the activity of the organisation are are hived off to be held in the responsibility of the role of the of the chairman. And that just goes to show some of the ways that the role of chairperson or chief executive can evolve over time. Next, I'll be finding out how a chair or CEO interacts with their workers. You're listening to the Grow Your Business podcast. I'm Gavin McLaughlin and I'm here with Fergal Mooney, former chief executive of Hostel World, and Michael Carey, chairman of the housing agency. And we're looking at the roles of chief executive and chairperson. Fergal, when you were at Hostel World, how did the chief executive chairman uh, relationship interaction work? Well, I think, uh, you know, it, it starts with, with some of the points that, that, that Michael has just mentioned there is, is number one, 
you know, you've got to have respect. That the chief executive chairman relationship is 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 crucially important. I think, uh, you know, having having that respect, number one, is is very important, uh, and and number two, having clarity in terms of, you know, what the respective roles are and what the expectations of of each from the other, uh, and what that uh, what that means, I think, is very good communications. I think it's it goes. You know, much uh, further than your kind of standard typical board meetings and so on. I would have with my uh, with my chairman at Hostelworld. I would have had a kind of a weekly uh, half hour call or meeting, whatever. And it was really just to check in. You know, what's going on? What can I? Uh, you know, where where are we with the things that we're that are kind of topper of our, our list of priorities to do? You know, what can I help you with? Um, uh, and uh, you know, certainly, the chairman would have been would have been very helpful to me to me uh, in that. Uh, and it does vary. I think um, you know, as Michael said, depending on the organisation and depending on the stage of development. So certainly, for hostel world, going from start up um, through you know private equity ownership and then as a public company, the role of the chairman and the board probably changes and evolves a, a, a little bit. I think um, you know there are. There are key kind of uh, statutory obligations and so on, uh, you know. But 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 uh, I think that you know as you go through that, the kind of the balance between kind of support and holding the the, the team accountable uh, and so on probably evolves a little bit depending on the type of company. Mike, that uh, that uh, point about the transition of an organisation from startup through a growing business to a, a more established company. Uh, is is absolutely crucial in relation to the role of the chair and the chief exec or the managing yeah, director. I mean, m- yeah. many SMEs mightn't even have a chairman, or, you know, so yeah. it might be something you bring in further and, into your journey. Yeah, which often I think is a mistake. I think the organisations need to have um, business that are growing, the business that really believe they're going to be bigger, need to structure themselves in a way uh, to allow them to grow and allow them to grow into that structure. So one of the approaches we've always taken in our investments in our businesses has been to create a structure that's far bigger than in terms of, of its approach and its scale and its processes, uh, appropriate for a much bigger organization than it currently is. And, and the business then naturally grows into that scale and, and that works. But I think the, the crucial uh, issue is that transition from a startup phase through to a, uh, a more established business. Um, and, and I think for a, a founder who often has the role of chair and chief executive, so has a, has a, a, a it might be one person even at the start, but a, a founder who builds a business and then uh, brings in a, a managing director or a chairman and becomes, as our managing director or chief exec and becomes a chairman himself or herself, uh, that transition is probably the most crucial in the building of a business and the growing of a business. And it's, it's something that I'm really conscious of at East Coast Bakehouse. Uh, I, it's a biscuit startup in Drogheda. Uh, we've just taken a step recently to appoint a managing director and I've become executive chairman. Um, and I'm really, really conscious of ensuring that our managing director, Sean Murphy, who's a, an outstanding operator, a really, really bright professional manager who is capable of driving the business from, from that, that requirement of really driving the operation, the commercial, the financial aspects of the business on a day-to-day basis. I'm really conscious of the need to give him the space to get on with yeah. that job without without uh, interfering, without um, uh, undermining. Um, and, and that transition is really crucial. I think a lot of companies get that wrong. And, yeah. and founders often find it really hard to allow the business to grow. Well, which is understandable. But I mean, I mean, it's interesting to, to hear you talk about that, that you guys are kind of at this crucial stage. And I suppose that leads me into the question of, you know, you're, you mentioned you're executive chairman, you've had non-executive chairman roles. What's the difference between the two and, and, and why did you decide executive chairman is 
what you should be at East Coast? Okay, at this, again, it's situational. It, it depends on the organisation and the phase of its progress. So in our case, we are progressing, growing very rapidly. Uh, we have a, a role of leadership that is, is pretty intense in, in terms of growing the business. And splitting the role between two individuals seems to be the right thing to do for us at the moment. So we've split between the operational aspects of a managing director who is has the management team reporting into him, and he is driving the business and getting fabulous results. Uh, my responsibilities have been hived off from that to include uh, fundraising, um, strategy review, uh, operating the board, ensuring the board, uh, all of the board members contribute really well and we get the best out of all the contributions and we've we've a, a structure as i say structured for a far bigger business we've uh two non-executive directors on our board um uh, patrick joy former winner of the uh entrepreneur of the year award a local businessman in drada uh, and um stephen twadell who was the former european president of kellogg's and those two individuals sit on our board as non-exec directors and and uh and with a number of the investors, we work as a board. And I, my role as chair is to ensure that that contribution is optimised and we get the best out of an extraordinary bunch of talented sure. people. Now, let's move away from the nitty gritty for a minute and, and, and talk more at the high level. Uh, Fergal, two of the, the big things that chief executives have to do, they have to you know, be engaged with strategy. They have to kind of map out a direction uh, for the business. And let, let's start with that, actually. How do you get the time to kind of sit back and think, right, here's where, here's where we want to be in five years and here's how we want to get there. Yeah, it, it can be quite difficult, I suppose. You know, there's always uh, the risk or temptation of getting so involved in the kind of the day-to-day and what's happening today and this week that, that, that you don't allocate sufficient time for, for the strategy piece to it. Now, you know, in, in some ways, that's where, you know, a good board and good chairman will, will actually, you know, uh, I suppose almost force you to do that because they'll be demanding a strategic plan from you, a yeah. budget from you, you know, whatever's coming up at the next the next board meeting. So you you know you you know that you've got to do that, but uh, but obviously you you know you want to be planning for that and anticipating it as well. And, and I think you know for me again, it was just built into the 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 ordinary cycle, right? So as I said, you know. My, my Monday morning meetings were what's, what's you know what's top of mind right now. I'd also then have a weekly trading meeting, which would be about what's going on day to day. I'd have a monthly management meeting where we spend half a day, and uh, we had you know uh, our kind of four strategic pillars of the things that we were focused on. So that would be a kind of review of where are we on the on each of the four strategic pillars, and then on a quarterly basis, once a quarter, we'd have a two day session with the management team, usually off site, right, and and and. Uh, you know, it might seem extravagant. We'd go off to a hotel somewhere and we'd stay overnight, or whatever. But but the reason for uh, for that was to get people away from the day to day. Yeah, it's good to get a bit of distance. I think absolutely, yeah. And 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 that would be a two day session where not only would we review how we were progressing on each of the strategic pillars, but we'd also take a deeper look at what else is going on in the market, what's going on with our competitors, what's going on in the overall environment, do we need to adapt or change any of our, our, our strategies uh, and, you know, and begin thinking about uh, you know, what we need to do a little bit more longer, longer term. And that's just built into the, to the planning cycle. When you were doing the IPO, how did that impact what you were doing day to day? Because I suppose that's that's part of what this podcast is all about. We want to see more businesses do what you guys did yep. uh, uh, and, and float on the stock market. So how did you find uh, that whole process? Yeah, it was good. Um, and, and look, it, it's... It's very intense when you're going through a process like uh, like that because uh, you know there's a, a huge amount of work to be done 
uh, and done in a, a relatively uh, confined period of time and you want to try and do that uh, without distracting from the core day-to-day and the operations of the of the business. Now, uh, you know, I suppose part of it goes back to what what Michael referenced earlier on is is you know you don't just wake up one morning and say well I think I'm going to do an IPO right it it's 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 something that you build to over a period of time and that means putting a lot of the structures in place whether it's whether it's a a chairman and a board that maybe might might seem kind of outsides for the size of your business at that stage but you'll grow into it it's putting in ter- in in place procedures policies frameworks structures and things that will that will uh, be required for an IPO um and uh, and and getting those in in early but but uh, when it when it comes to the decision then is you know we're going to we're going to push the button and we're going to go on this um one of the things that i i did was um kind of looked and said right who's going to be the ipo team and who's going to who's going to you know make sure that they're keeping their eye on the day-to-day business right so so from that perspective across that kind of senior management team uh, you know, obviously the CEO and CFO in particular are going to be very focused on the IPO preparation and obviously there'll be input from the rest of the management team, but, but uh, you know, CEO and CFO are almost consumed by it. Uh, so, you know, I would have turned around to the other guys and said, okay, you know, uh, apart from your day-to-day role, what you've been doing now, you need to, to be stepping up and uh, making sure that you're you're across, you know, more areas of the business. And if you need to uh you know to to bring up uh, and promote some of the people within your team and give them more responsibility if you need to get in uh you know some some additional resources you on a consultancy basis to help then then let's do that um and 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 it just meant dividing the responsibilities between individuals um and and then also again like that is communication is key right so if you're going through an ipo or you know an acquisition a fundraising is no, is no different right typically uh, you'll have a a weekly call usually either on the first thing on a monday morning or a friday or a friday evening with all parties involved in the fundraising the ipo and it'll be the bankers and the lawyers and and whatever else i would have done the same with the management team on the operations right so uh you know friday afternoon i'd have the the ipo call with the bankers and the lawyers and and so on and then i'd have the the management team call to say right you know what's going on in the business yeah. you know are there any issues and it just just means that uh you know you're staying in touch you're keeping it coordinated um and and uh, you know you're not waiting for a crisis to happen well managing large teams really can have its challenges and coming up in a moment i'll be getting some insight into how to motivate a workforce <laughs> Now, Michael, one of the things, uh, and I suppose I'm, I'm coming to you more with your managing director, CEO hat on here, but, you know, when you're the boss of a company, you want to hire uh, good people and you want to motivate them uh, to do well. So how do you create an atmosphere in the workplace where people, you know, are happy, they want to get ahead, uh, etc.? I think every business depends on having that group of people on aligned on the same on the same track, understanding where the business is heading, uh, and feeling part of it. So I think creating a an environment where that senior group are really really bought into the direction the business is travelling is crucial. Um, and I I've been involved with lots of entrepreneurial businesses. I have never seen a successful business uh, uh, achieve anything uh, dependent on one person. It's always been about a team. It's always been about the, how the team operates and and integrates, like a, like a, a sports team. How they how they perform as a group uh, is can be extraordinary. And 
if that group really feel ownership, if they feel that they have created the uh, the uh, business, if they feel that they're uh, it's their vision and that we're we're all moving towards and we're working together to achieve that outcome, uh, that's the one single most important issue. Fergal, anything uh, to add on that? Yeah, I, mean, I think that that that's absolutely right, and I, I think one of the ways that you get everybody engaged in that one vision and that one plan is openness and transparency and good communication again. So, you know, from very early days in, in Hostel World, you know, all of our numbers, our revenues and, and, and everything were, you know, visible on a day, daily basis to every employee across the organisation, right? So, uh, so it meant that people kind of felt part of something that were very clear on what it was we're trying to do, what our goals and targets are and how we're tracking our, and, 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 uh, uh, you know, progressing towards towards that, and and that's that's critically important, I think. And I think the other thing as well is is which is is more difficult is is you know it is very much about you know the team members, not just the the kind of senior management team, but around the organisation, everybody feeling part of it, right? And sometimes that's as as simple as you know walking down the corridor, the CEO saying. How are you, Gavin? How are you, how are you getting on today? What's going yeah. on with X, Y, or Z, right? Now, when you're in a small organisation, it's easy to do that because if there's only 20 people, you know them all. When it gets into hundreds, it's more difficult. But it's something that I would have put an amount of effort into as, as well. On a monthly basis, you know, I, I would... Uh, I would uh, get involved with the HR team and we'd do, I'd do a session for all of the new starters in the business where I'd go in and I'd meet them, I'd give them the kind of background story for, for the business, I'd be able to put faces to names uh, and, I, and I'd do a little bit of, of practicing to try, to try to match the faces with names so that I'd be able to do that and get to know who was doing what. Now, when you end up with 350 employees, you know, you're not going to be able to keep up with it all the time and get to know everybody but but it does make a difference and, and, and you know a lot of the team would have, would have commented on that the fact that it just made them feel like they're part of the team they're not just somebody who works in customer service or somebody who's turning up And, and I think um, um, building on that um, your approach is exactly how we would have uh, attempted to approach it in our own businesses that openness that transparency is real and it's authentic and it's not about sort of being trying to be nice or trying to be uh, trying to sort of create a, a false environment where everyone feels part of the same team that team is really creating the business it's real it's genuine they are the people who are making the business work and everybody has to believe that and it's, it, it can't be superficial it has to be authentic and you're expecting a group of people in, a, in any organisation today and it could be a public sector organisation a private sector organisation you're expecting people to work incredibly hard make massive commitments to what they're trying to achieve and in that context, like nobody, nobody's ever drowned in sweat. It's it's a <laughs> it's a it's an expectation of sort of really hard work. It's an expectation of real commitment, and uh, and that works two ways. And and I think a, a board has a, a responsibility to its uh, to its management team, and they need to work hard. Uh, a, a chairman has a responsibility to the rest of the board. Uh, they need to fulfil their roles, and and if any one piece of that uh, system doesn't work, it it falls down. And part part of that, Kevin, as well, I think is is you know openness, openness and transparency when things aren't going well, right? So uh, you know if if there's an issue, if there's a problem, if targets and goals aren't being being met, having a you know a, a straight and open discussion and conversation and saying, look, we're struggling here, guys, because of X, Y, or Z, and and then it makes them feel a little sense yeah. of ownership. Well, of let, the problem let's as let's well, so. so say say you come in to me and say, look, <coughs> Gavin, you know we, you have you've missed your target by five percent. This this quarter or whatever and I, I'm kind of saying ah oh, well come on you know there's this that and the other going on like it's it's a it's a difficult uh, kind of balancing act you have to strike you know you obviously want to get the thing done but you 
you don't want to, I suppose, cause a problem with an employee either. Mm-hmm. So it's a delicate thing to do. I mean, how do you how do you handle it? Yeah, but um, look, it is de- delicate and and it can be difficult. But I I think you know there there are a couple of different approaches you can you can take. I can go in and say you know, start roaring and shouting at you and say, Gavin, you're useless and, you know, you haven't met your targets and, and you know, if you don't get it next month, I'm, you know, you're going to be kicked out and whatever else. Or you can say, gee, Gavin, I'm surprised you didn't make your, your targets and, you know, and, and uh, you know, I thought you, uh, the targets were reasonable and that you you, you you had the resources you needed to do it. You know, are, are, there, are there things missing here? How can we help you to uh, to achieve it next month? And, and you know, I suppose, it's you know what's your problem is my problem. If I'm the CEO, anybody who within the organisation who's having a difficulty or challenge or missing targets might becomes my problem and as well. And is is it, is it different for different people though? Because probably maybe there's some individuals would respond to the stick, and others would respond more to the carrot. It probably is, but you know I think sometimes that uh, that kind of takes care of itself within the culture of an organisation as well, because different organisations have different cultures. And, uh, you know, I think that if you build a culture within an organization where, you know, where people are working as one team towards a common goal and everybody is clear on what that goal is, uh, then people tend to respond a little bit more to how can we help each other to do this uh, rather than a culture. And, and look, some, some companies do have, have, have cultures that can work work. Successfully, although I I think it's more 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 challenging or more difficult, where it it kind of is a little bit more stick and it's every man for himself kind of competing against each other. That wouldn't necessarily be my approach. Yeah. But um, I think I think coming coming back to one of the earlier points we made about clarity of expectations. If it's clear what the business needs to achieve, if it's clear what the chief executive's job is and what that individual needs to needs to achieve every month or every week, then. The role of of overseeing that and and managing that process is becomes really easy. It's um it, it's it's all about filling fulfilling that expectation, and uh, I think having systems in place that allow for easy reporting of those targets for, uh, where there's no vagueness around, there's no wooliness of ah it was the weather yeah, yeah, yeah. or ah it was, uh, there was a bus strike that week or sort of avoiding those sort of woolly sort of um, pub talk type excuses for, for missing targets or our performance not achieving as much as it can possibly achieve uh, with that clarity then it makes it much easier to say we're actually all on the same side of the table here we're all trying to find a solution what extra resources yeah. do we need how and are we going to fix those problems as, I suppose that, that leads me on to my next point which is you know as chairperson or as chief executive Michael you're a figurehead uh, you know <clears throat> your employees their job is one of the most important things in their life and if they're going in and they, you know they feel stressed or uh, whatever, you know there's, they see you walking down the car. They say, "There's your man." Oh God, I, I hate him. I, this my life is hell in here at the moment. It's really really hard. So you're you're that's kind just, of this and that's just my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're kind of this um, this figure. You know you you're you're kind of front of house. You're 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 likely to come in for stick uh, regularly enough. Uh, how do you cope with that? I think the role of both chief executive and and chair, any leadership role in any organisation, in a sports team, in a, in a business, in a public sector organisation, the the role of a of a leader is a very visible one, and everything you do matters, and how you're seen matters, and how you behave, and how you interact with people when you're walking down the corridor and you're saying hello to people, how you show respect or not matters, um, and you have to be really conscious of that. You have to decide and very actively decide how you want to So what, what do you do and what do you not do? Well you don't you, you don't act 
sort of inappropriately you don't you don't make unintentional sort of side comments that make a, that really impact on somebody and and you have to be really just be really conscious you just have to be aware of your own the, the impact you make in a in a board at a boardroom table or walking down the corridor so i think consciousness being aware being self-aware is is absolutely crucial Fergal? yeah no absolutely i absolutely agree with that and like you know you are on show and and, and I used to often kind of make the point that that really as CEO I'm just a performer, right? And and the PAs that I mentioned earlier on, they'd kind of say, right, ten o'clock you're having a meeting with employees, and you know this is this is what's on the agenda, and at two o'clock you're meeting a customer, and so on. But no matter who you're performing for or who you're you're uh, I suppose uh, engaging with, um, you you do have to be very conscious and very careful about. Uh, you know the, I suppose the image that that, that you're 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 uh, you're portraying, and 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 you know if if you're having a bad day for whatever reason, right, and it might be something completely outside of work, uh, you know you can't let that uh, you can't let 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 that impact on on you know your your day to day and the people that you're you're meeting, the people that that you're leading. So you know if that means you need to go into a a back room and take a few deep breaths or whatever, and 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 get the get the angst out of you before you go out and 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 meet you know the customers or the employees or whoever as it is then then you got to do that but um you know just to be very aware that you know even even if you're not in a meeting even if you're not saying something even walking down that corridor right whether you're smiling or or you know scowling or, or whatever it is it's noticed by people and, and you've got to be aware of the impact of that and, and would you be conscious as well that say when an employee encounters you or say they, they see you walking by it'd be like well, there's the chief executive. You don't look like you're doing a bit of work, or you know they're trying to present us the best version of themselves to you the whole time. Uh, there will be a little bit of that, but again, I think that comes with the culture of the organisation, right? So, so you know, sometimes you find that, uh, particularly with with newer or younger employees, where you know they're they're not quite sure of you know how that relationship is going to go, and they kind of say, "Oh, here's the CEO, and you know, let's look busy and whatever." But I think you know, as you get into it, uh, you know. I, I'm not going to be that concerned if you're having a chat to the next guy or if you're reading the paper, whatever you're doing. All I'm, what I'm concerned about is, are you delivering? Are you contributing to the team? And uh, you know, and 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 that's what's what's important. So I think you know, as you develop uh, within an organisation, uh, and if you've got that sort of a culture, um, then you know that 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 uh, kind of uh, sense of of needing to be seen to be busy kind of goes away, and and the focus comes to. Am I actually delivering what I'm here to do? Interesting stuff from Michael and Fergal there and they'll continue next with their experience and advice when it comes to having to fire somebody for the good of the business. You're listening to the Grow Your Business podcast with Gavin McLaughlin and I'm here with Fergal Mooney, former chief executive of Hostel World and Michael Carey, who is chairman of the housing agency. And Michael, I suppose... That last point, it applies with the chief executive and the chairperson as well. Maybe the chief executive is saying, oh, here's the chairperson. I better be on my best behavior. Yeah, I think it, it, those, a relationship, like any relationship, builds over time. And it depends where it starts from. It depends how it's formed. And both parties need to be responsible. It's like a, it's like a good marriage. Both parties need to take responsibility for making it work. Um, uh, and everyone's an individual. Everyone's a, a person. They're the person who's running the accounts department or the person who's running a biscuit machine it's just as important as the the managing director or the chairman it's not it's not about status it's not about of oh my god they're very important people that that type of environment is from the 50s 
that doesn't work in organisations. You know, people don't they don't respect that type of behaviour anymore. It's not um, uh, uh, that doesn't work. Um, so I think even when you walk around the news talk studio and you meet the chief executive, everyone's talking normally to to the chief executive. Everyone, would, if they bumped into the chairman, would know sort of what what she's like, what uh, how that uh, how she uh, behaves. Um, uh, and there's a mutual respect, and it just works in in successful organisations. And so often you see that relationship not working uh, in in organisations where they they flounder because of of egos, perhaps. Sometimes you have to make difficult uh, decisions. Whether you're a chairperson or a chief executive, you might have to, you know, let people go or or whatever. Um, how do you steel yourself to do something like that? Yeah, I've been involved in, in many situations over the, the last 40 years or so of my career where uh, uh, sometimes sort of doing the right thing for an organisation doesn't feel very good. It's not, it doesn't feel like sort of, oh my God, I enjoyed that today. Yeah. It was, um, I think being focused on, on what's for the greater good, being focused on what's best for the organisation, um, uh, being clear about uh, sort of trying to, if there is changes like that, if there are changes where individuals are affected and people's personal family life are affected by a decision in a business, that you do it in a very, very conscious way and try to act as reasonably, try to act as fairly as you can, even in those situations. But you go home in the evening and you think, oh, Jesus, that was awful. That was a dreadful uh, day or week or month um, in an organisation. And you have to just plough on. And I think the thing that helps uh, somebody in, an, in, a, in a role where they're making that call and making that decision is the people around them. And being part of an organisation, being part of a team, uh, carries you through through those sort of uh, down slopes on a roller coaster. And there are. In every organisation, public or private, there are times when things aren't going as they should. And your head drops in every role. The chairman's head drops, the, the chief exec's head drops, the, the accounts manager heads drop. By being part of a team, uh, the the rest of the team can carry you through those those periods of difficulty, um, and that's the power of working as as, as a group. Um, and and just the communication side of it though is important, isn't it? Because I mean, how do you when you're telling someone, "Look, we have to let you go." How do you how do you how do you break the news? I think um, absolute clarity, um, no confusion. No, um, no wooliness around what's happening, and I can, I can look at it from the other side of the table. Uh, I was in, in an earlier part of my career. I was managing director of Kellogg's in the UK, uh, and I was fired. Um, and I went through a process where the Kellogg's organisation um, uh, felt I didn't fit, and they were right. <laughs> and they, and it came to a conclu- uh, conclusion where my boss said, "Look." don't have any confusion in your mind your career in this organisation is finished Um, and now let's manage this process let's manage it so everyone is the organisation is not affected you're not affected uh, minimise the impact negative impact and they were very generous they paid me a cheque to walk away and never work for them again and one piece of advice I can I suppose give the listeners here is if you ever get fired by anyone in your career get fired by Kellogg's they do it really well and and I learned from that and I learned from that because I think Treating people well, treat, not just financially, but treating people with respect, treating people with absolute clarity, uh, where there's no confusion, there's no, there's no wooliness around the communication, um, uh, and being fair mm-hmm. is how I was treated in that case, and how I would like other people to feel they were treated when, when I've, uh, I've been in that position making those calls. Fergal? Yeah, I think that's critically important, and it's, it's a, you know, uh, look, 
uh, we talked earlier on about transitioning from a startup through to you know a bigger organization, a PLC or whatever else it is, right? And and the reality is that organizations at different stages need different people with different skill sets and people that are great at startup, you know, don't necessarily have what a PLC needs. People that are, can work in a PLC don't necessarily have startup and so on. So so you do need to uh, to recognize that and, 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 and make those calls. But I think the, the key thing is, uh, number one, just recognizing, you know, these are people that are, you know, that, that while they may not be a fit for this organization, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not a good person, that they're not, that they haven't made a huge contribution to the business. And I think recognizing that, um and uh and t- treating people with respect and looking after the people as they're leaving right is important not just for the people who are leaving it's also important for the people who are staying because if you've been working alongside somebody and you know for whatever business reasons that person uh, is no longer a fit with the organization if they're treated well at least you still you can feel good about the organization whereas the person exiting has been treated badly then the people yeah. who are left will feel badly about the organisation as well, right? So I think that's that's critically important. Final question for each of you, Dan. I want to get some tips. So, Michael, if there's somebody listening who is looking for a chief executive, what are the <clears throat> characteristics, uh, CV, uh, etc., that they should be looking for? I think um, the most important uh, uh, characteristic in a, in a chief executive is a focus on delivery, is about somebody who's going to make the plan happen, make it be so. And uh, showing in their past experience uh, examples of that is crucial. Showing it in how they behave in their private life, in their in their sporting life, in their family life, in their relationship with their friends, sort of focus on outcomes, focused on deliverable, deliverables. In, in the context of uh, certainly replacing a, um, a founder um, and the founder stepping back to, uh, to allow that role to happen, uh, that is without question the most single most important uh, uh, characteristic. And Fergal, if somebody's looking for a chairperson, what should mm. they be looking for in that person? Um, I think, uh, you know, again, the, uh, I suppose the core of the person looking for respect and what sort of a person, you know, is, is this going to be to work with? Uh, you know, I think good and clear communications ability, um, because you know you, you want to make sure that there is absolute clarity between you as to what the expectations are, what you're trying to try to do, and I think also you know you probably want to to look for a chair who, uh, you know, who has good and relevant operational experience, right? So you know there are some very very smart people in the world. Uh, who are very smart academically, are very smart even in terms of running an investment, but might never have run the operations of a of, of a business. So I think somebody who has experience, in, uh, you know, in in doing what it is you as a CEO are doing um, is is important. Well, guys, thanks very much for coming in. Absolutely brilliant insights there. We're going to leave it there. That's Fergal Mooney, the former chief executive of Hostel World and East Coast Bakehouse executive chairman, among other things, Michael Carey. That's it for this week. We'll be back next Thursday at 4pm where we'll be looking at how to deal with a crisis. Join us then. Grow your business from News Talk with Gavin McLaughlin. Thanks to Euronext Dublin, the new home of the Irish Stock Exchange. Supporting business for over 200 years.